And you're welcome to Wednesday's programme. It is uh, the 23rd of February, 2022. BBG with you live, present and correct, here at the BBG Towers in Salford. I've got two very good guests for you today. Let's do it then. Uncensored. Unfiltered. You're listening to Richie Allen on the world's most popular independent news radio show. It's the Richie Allen Show, broadcasting live on richieallen.co.uk and multiple platforms around the world. And now, here's your host, Richie Allen. Right, coming up a bit later on in the program, Ramola D returns to the Richie Allen Show. I'm looking forward to catching up with her. Great lady, journalist, fiction writer and poet. We're going to talk, um, well, all things COVID jabs, all things Canada, all things in general with uh, Ramola D. Her website is everydayconcerned.net. Do check it out if you haven't done so before. And I can't wait to catch up with my first guest because it's been nearly two years since I last spoke with him. Great friend of ours, Michael Rivero is live on the programme. The man behind... WhatReallyHappened.com, fantastic website. Michael is a broadcaster, a journalist, and spent some years in the film industry. Lovely guy. Michael, this air will talk Ukraine and more with him. You can join in via my website, RichieAllen.co.uk, to leave me a message. It's very simple. Comment live at the very top of the page on the menu bar. Comment live. Now, the reason people are not at all up in arms at the fact that politicians are calling for the banning of a television channel is because most people couldn't give a knickers. It's an Irish saying. Couldn't care less, most people. That politicians are calling for the banning of a television channel. The interest, the curiosity has been trained out of people or jabbed out of them. It's an outrage. It was an outrage when Press TV had its licence revoked by Ofcom. Ofcom is the broadcast regulator in the UK. It'll be an outrage if and when it happens to RT. Don't think I am a champion of RT or Russia. I am not. I rarely watch it because it's mainstream light to me. But it has over the years, I, I think, shed light on some subjects the UK media won't touch. So Orty has banked some credit. And I know some people who have worked in it and continue to work in it, and they're good people, but it's pretty mainstream. But people should be horrified, horrified that politicians are openly calling for the banning of a television channel, which of course is funded by Russia. I'm well aware of it. But it has offices and studios uh, here in the UK, and it employs dozens of British journalists. Listen to Labour's Keir Starmer today at uh, Prime Minister's Questions. We must also do more to defeat Putin's campaign of lies and disinformation. Russia today is his personal propaganda tool. I can see no reason why it should be allowed to continue to broadcast in this country. So will the Prime Minister now ask Ofcom to review its licence. Prime Minister. Uh, uh, Mr Speaker, I believe that my right honourable friend, the Secretary of State for Culture, Media and Sport, has already uh, asked Ofcom to review uh, that matter. But, but what 
I will say, Mr. Speaker, is that is that we live in a in a democracy, Mr. Speaker, and we live in a, a country that believes in in free speech. And uh, I think it's important that we should leave it up to Ofcom rather than to politicians to decide which media organisations are to ban. That's we, what Russia does. We should. That's what Russia does. We should leave it up to Ofcom. Not politicians, says the clown-in-chief Boris Johnson, who said 25 seconds before that Culture Secretary Nadine Dorries, a politician, at least last time I looked, that she was petitioning Ofcom to take a second look at Ortiz's licence. Johnson is nothing if not galactically stupid. Stupid. So the Labour Party has called for a ban on RT, accusing the channel of pumping out pro-Vladimir Putin propaganda. Pro, pro even, if I can say it. Pro-Putin propaganda, it says. What kind of fuckery is this? Yeah. What, what does the BBC, Sky, ITV and Channel 4 do? What does it do? What do they do collectively? Sky, Channel 4, ITV, BBC, NBC, C-SPAN, MSNBC, Fox News, CNN. What do they do? They pump out 24-hour-a-day propaganda. Don't they? Have you watched the British media over the last few days? Uh, it's one interview after another with Ukrainian people, with, with uh, Putin's opponents living overseas, with British politicians, with Irish politicians, with French politicians, telling you how terrible Russia is, how terrible Putin is, what Putin plans to do. Have you watched it? Uh, did you see Sergei Lavrov on any of these programmes? Did you see Olga Lyubimova on there? Lyubimova, have you seen her on there? Bet you don't know who she is. No, of course you don't. She's the Minister of Culture of the Russian Federation. Did you see Sergei Kravstov on British television at all? Sergei Kravstov, bet you never heard of him either. He's the Minister of Education in Russia. No? Any takers there? No? What about Victoria Abramchenko? Well, she's only the Deputy Prime Minister of the Russian Federation. You had any of these people on? Sky, BBC, ITN, Channel 4, C-SPAN, MSNBC? No. Because it's wall-to-wall anti-Russian propaganda. And I'm no fan of Russia, but I'm a journalist. It's got to be fair. You've got to present some balance. Now, I've been asked regularly, and people do ask me, and by the way, they really do, now, normally, when someone says, people ask me, uh, they're about to speak about themselves in flattering terms. So they've got to preamble. Uh, I'm not doing that. I have been asked regularly over the past two years, two questions. Uh, number one, Richie, why no pro-vaccine, pro-lockdown people on your show? And number two, why do you invite them on when you know they will refuse? So I get those two questions which are kind of opposite questions. Why don't you have them on? Well, I asked them on. They don't come on. Edwina Curry came on and then ran off, ran away. They don't come on. So why do I do it, knowing they'll refuse? Because the answer is propaganda. I am not a propagandist. I might be many things. I might be an arsehole. I might be a pain in the backside. I might uh, rub you up the wrong way. I might have ideas or I might have opinions that you find unpalatable or you find downright wrong. But I'm honest, I'm not a propagandist like Lord Ho-Ho's son and heir, James O'Brien. I have to at least try to present the other side of it. But no, not in UK media. The irony of accusing RT of being a spokes, a, a mouthpiece for Putin's government. It might be. What's the BBC, ITV, Channel 4 
and Sky News doing then? Eh? That useless bellend Johnson, huh? Saying in the same breath that uh, politicians should leave it to Ofcom to decide on licensing issues, but, but Nadine Dorries has asked them to review the licence. Dreadful. A few minutes later, Boris Johnson, at Prime Minister's Questions, was engaging in dialogue with Ian Blackford, the Scottish National Party Westminster leader. Now, he had used, Blackford had used his question to ask Johnson to get rid of dirty Russian money out of politics. Right? This was Johnson's response to Ian Blackford. Uh, we do not raise money from uh, Russian oligarchs. Uh, people, who g- people who give money to this, to this, to this, they, they are, they, we raise money uh, from people who are registered to vote on the UK Register of Interest. And that is, that is, how, that is how we do it, Mr Speaker. And I think, I think his indignation... Uh, his indignation is, I'm afraid, uh, a, a bit much, coming from, uh, coming from somebody uh, whose very own Alex Salmond uh, is, a leading, is, is a, leading, a leading presenter, a leading presenter on, as far as I know, on Russia Today, which the, which the leader of the opposition has just called on this country to ban. A little bit of a whiff of McCarthyism there, isn't there? Isn't there just a bit? Alex Salmond, who used to lead the Scottish National Party, doesn't anymore, now presents a programme weekly, a weekly programme for RT, and he should be castigated for that, should he? Little whiff of McCarthyism there, maybe? But this is fascism. It's totalitarianism. Have a listen to Jamie Stone shortly after Johnson's exchange with Blackford. He's another Tory MP. Jamie Stone. Jamie Stone. (laughs) Mr Speaker... Let's be quite clear about this. Is it not an absolute disgrace that a Privy Councillor, an advisor to the Queen and a former First Minister of Scotland sees fit to broadcast his half-baked world views week after week on Russian television? Mr Speaker, that was a, a brilliant, powerful question with which I think the whole House uh, assented. Would it not have been more powerful if it had come from the leader of the Scottish Nationalist Party? Yeah. Daniel Kuczynski. Yeah, we, we won't listen to Daniel Kuczynski. So this is fascism, it's totalitarianism, but it isn't new. We know this, we've known it for years. Julian Assange is in prison. I don't like Julian Assange, but he shouldn't be in prison. He shouldn't be extradited to the United States. He should not be. He doesn't belong in prison, uh, wasting away, dying in prison because he published materials given to him which embarrassed the United States. And most UK parliamentarians would give up Assange in a heartbeat. Those baying buffoons there, baying at RT, baying at Alex Salmond, would give up Assange in a heartbeat. I'm not aware of any MP asking a speaker, whether it be John Burko the previous speaker, or the current one, Lindsay Hoyle, to table an urgent question about the plight of Julian Assange. Not a single MP has tabled an urgent question to ask about the well-being of Julian Assange, who's languishing in a, in, in a prison here in this country, whose mental and physical health is deteriorating terribly. Nobody's asked any questions as to whether it's... Whether it's um, Anything other than fascism to, to, to do what has been done to, to Julian Assange. So they're being now for RT to be taken off 
UK television screens at the moment. You can get it on Freeview. I think you can get it on Sky if you're a Sky customer. No MP. In fact, MPs in, this is, again, this isn't new. Desmond Swain, Conservative MP, was told by the chairman of the Tory party that he would have the whip withdrawn from him if he ever appeared on the Richie Allen show again. Anne Widdicombe warned off the Richie Allen show. It's not about me. Just giving you examples. The print media, worse than the politicians. No condemnation in today's press of Starmer for calling for a TV channel to be kicked off the airwaves. He called for RT to be basically kicked off yesterday. Not a single newspaper today has written a condemning article about Starmer asking for censorship, for a TV channel to be shut down, British journalists to lose their jobs because they're doing what they're doing, which is putting the Russian government side of the Ukraine crisis to anybody who wants to see it. Nobody puts a gun to your head and says you've got to go to Channel 511 on Sky and watch RT, but it's there. Nobody from the Russian government, nobody from the Russian foreign ministry, nobody on Sky BBC Channel 4 ITV and the rest. Do you think it's because those people have said no? No, we won't come on. Of course it isn't. They're not being asked. It's wall-to-wall propaganda. But you know this anyway, right? This isn't new. You've been watching propaganda for two years. Well, I've been watching it for 20 years. You've been watching it for maybe two years. The COVID propaganda and the tyranny and the banning. Almost excommunicating scientists. I know they're not religious zealots. Get ostracising, sending to Coventry, exiling scientists who say lockdowns are deadly, they kill people. The vaccines are unsafe and unnecessary. Gone. You don't see those people. You got wall-to-wall, relentless, excruciating propaganda. And it never occurs, presumably, to the editors of The Guardian. I mean, The the Guardian is wretched, isn't it? It's been out of print for years because it's absolutely shit anyway. Isn't it? You think it would dawn on these people. Yeah, let's get rid of RT. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's the oldest adage in the world. First they came for. (laughs) They'll stop at RT, will they? They're putting through the online harms bill through Parliament and they're going to stop at RT, eh? No, they won't. Credible. People getting hounded for appearing on radio shows like this in the last two years. Sky News, The Guardian, The Mail Online, hounding Martin Kuldorf and Sakarit Bakti for coming on the show, warning other people not to do, uh, to do it, to, to, to dare to do it, to even dream about coming on programmes like this. We live under a jackboot now. It's open tyranny. We even see it in the so-called alternative media. People calling for people to be banned and deplatformed. Con artists who saw the opportunity of lockdown to position themselves as the new media, to reinvent themselves, to call themselves journalists, even though they're not. Fakes like Anna Brees. Anna Brees of Brees Media spent five minutes in the media. Five minutes. Lies about the extent of her experience, never produced, never presented television or radio. Worked for Rothschilds on Guernsey. And is not working to expose the agendas of the elites, but is working to censor the independent media, telling scientists not to appear on Gareth Icke's programme on Iconic, telling scientists not to appear here. So it isn't just the mainstream media, it isn't just politics, it isn't just the press, it's the fucking alternative media. 
working to shut people down because they don't like them or the things they say. Telling people not to talk to Iconic, not to talk to the Richie Allen Show, lying about your media experience. It's vaudeville, this. Everyone's working to censor, to shut down, doing for their own individual reasons. Government's doing it to keep people in the dark about what's really going on, why the Ukraine crisis is happening. What led up to it? Historical events, 2014 and beyond and further back. It's astonishing stuff. It was everywhere today. Have a listen to Liz Truss, the Foreign Secretary, speaking to Kay Burley this morning on Sky. Listen carefully to Kay Burley. This is, I mean, this is beautiful. You say that the British government is prepared to go much harder on Putin um, if he goes much further. I mean, this is a man who has sent death squads to kill people on British soil. This is a man that authorised shooting down MH17 over Ukrainian airspace. And this is a man that has now invaded sovereign territory. How much further does he need to go? This is pure propaganda. How could anyone, even if you'd never experienced a news programme, even if you never spent a day in college, if you never did radio production, if you never did media... How could you think that this is anything other than sickening propaganda? You say that the British government is prepared to go much harder on Putin um, if he goes much further. I mean, this is a man who has sent death squads to kill people on British soil. Death squads to kill people on British soil. You know what she's referring to today? She's referring to the, well, one of the most imaginative bits of fiction that was ever put before the British people. The Salisbury poisonings of Sergei and Yulia Skripal, which remains to this day. If you've been with this programme for some years, you might remember the episodes where we talked about the Salisbury poisonings because it's the only time that I properly corpsed on live radio. I've got a wicked sense of humour and lots of things tickle me, but I'm able to shut it down when I'm doing a programme. The laughter never overcomes me. But by Jesus, I couldn't hold it together reading the initial reports of the Skripal poisonings. What did Borley describe them as again? Death squads, was it she called these guys? You say that the British government is prepared to go much harder on Putin um, if he goes much further. I mean, Mm. this is a man who has sent death squads to kill people on British soil. Death squads. Do you remember what the death squads are alleged to have done? I mean, it's worth bringing it up, seeing as the media is bringing it up today. You'll remember, surely you'll remember the the, the, the Skripal poisoning. The death squads, which sounds impressive, right? Death squad, they must be competent. You know, they must be, if not Spetsnaz, they must be secret agents. These must be absolutely top of the range, Right. Well, well, apparently they were sent into Salisbury to kill Sergei Skripal, the triple agent, by the way, and his uh, and his daughter Yulia, and they did that. Now, now you know if you if you've got anything in your hands or 
if, if you're having something to drink or something to eat, be careful because this is hilarious. It remains as funny today as it was back in March of 2018, nearly four years ago. These death squads came into Salisbury to murder Sergei and Yulia Skripal, or at least Sergei Skripal, right? And do you know what they did? They got Novichok nerve agent, dear, dear listener, and, and they stuck it into a perfume bottle and they went to the front door of Sergei Skripal and they decided to spray the Novichok with the perfume bottle on the door handle and hope for the best that, that he would, you know, <laughs> that, that he would die. And, and, and maybe his daughter would die. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. They sprayed it on the doorknob, yeah. And you know what they did then? This death squad, this like highly trained elite assassination squad, they they threw they threw the perfume bottle in a dumpster. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And and of course the scripals were found in Salisbury Town Centre, sitting on a bench, rolling around with foam coming out of their their mouth. But that isn't so funny. Anyway, would you believe it? Three months later, three months later, a man, a man who's a bit down on his look, I think a kind of a homeless man, he he found the perfume bottle with the Novichok in a dumpster. Right? And, and you know what he decided to do? Wait till I tell you. He decided to take this perfume bottle with no label on it and, and, and give it t- to his girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, her name was Dawn. And Dawn took some of the perfume and, well, well she died. Yeah, that's, that's the Salisbury poisoning story. It's true, obviously, isn't it? Every word of it is true. The death squad came into town, sprayed the doorknob with Novichok. <clears throat> I can't even say it. That's what they did. They sprayed the, the Novichok and, and, just, just, and just hoped. I suppose they went back to their hotel and said, well, well, please God now, he'll, he'll, he'll use the doorknob to get into his house and please God he'll get enough of the nerve agent on, 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 on his hand and maybe he'll spread it around his face and, and maybe he'll die. <laughs> Imagine what you have to think about people. Imagine how little you have to think of people that you um, believe that, well, that, that, that they'll believe that. Imagine how stupid you must, that you would need to think people are. How completely and utterly fucking stupid you must think people are that you would try to sell them that horseshit. Imagine. This is the Richie Allen Show. 22 minutes past the hour. This is the most listened to independent news radio show on planet Earth. I'm the host, Richie Allen. Mike Rivero joining me live on the other side of the water, boys, and Fisherman's Blues. Welcome to the program. Mike Scott's Water Boys and Fisherman's Blues on the Richie Allen Show. 25 minutes past five. Huge interest in the RT story. We'll talk about that and much more. I'm, I've got a smile on my face from ear to ear. I love my guest this hour. It's been a long time since he appeared on this programme. He is a veteran, that isn't a bad thing, uh, a veteran broadcaster, but a terrifically talented broadcaster, who is uh, the man behind whatreallyhappened.com, a terrific website, a great resource for information you will not get on mainstream television. A great radio host, and uh, I'm just thrilled to welcome him back. It's Michael Rivero, folks. How are you doing, Michael? 
I'm doing fine, Richie. It's been a long, long time. I was starting to think you didn't love me anymore. No, you know better than that. We, we did have communication intermittently because you weren't feeling well and I didn't want to be harassing you when you weren't well. I'm glad you're back on your feet. But you, yes, you had, I, yes, I am. I'm, I'm over my medical issues. Thank God, Mike. You had a, you, just touch, I won't say touch and go, but you had a rough time of it there for a while. Yes, I did. Welcome back, buddy. Great to have you on. The radio show is sounding as, as uh, fresh as ever it, it, it has done. Michael, it's tyranny when politicians ask a broadcast regulator to kick a television channel out of the country, isn't it? There's no other way of putting it. Yeah, uh, it absolutely is. I mean, we're seeing a tremendous amount of censorship, uh, not only of the independent media, um, but here in the United States, uh, DirecTV is now dropping One American News Network, which is about the only honest TV news uh, left in this country. When, when um, politicians call for, for, for things like that, as they have done yesterday and today, and you don't see any pushback whatsoever from what we might call the legacy media, the broadsheet press, not even a whisper, you know, not even the consideration that well, if they get rid of them, well, it could be us next year or, or the year after. Is it because... Well, go go ahead, legacy, Mike, jump in. Yeah, the legacy media knows it's not going to be them. Uh, the reason uh, the government is trying to shut down independent media and, uh, uh, you know, block Russia Today and uh, uh, get One American News off the network uh, is they want everybody to go back to uh, looking at the legacy media, uh, which is uh, thoroughly controlled by the government. The BBC says, Michael, well, you can laugh, you can insert um, you know, laughter there if you want, but the BBC, the national broadcaster here, and yes. it, it, it reaches every corner of the earth with the BBC World Service, it says that Vladimir Putin is a tyrant, that he has absolutely no right whatsoever to uh, recognise parts of eastern Ukraine as independent states, that he's a bully and a thug, and that something has to be done about him. It's cut and dry. You don't amass... 175,000 troops on a border with another country, unless you're a bully and a thug, Ukraine should be allowed to join whatever international organisation it chooses, and Russia just has to suck it up. He's a bad man. What say you? That's the Beeb. What say you? Well, yeah, that, that's, uh, that's what we're getting from the uh, legacy media. And remember, that was the same legacy media that told us Saddam Hussein had nuclear weapons, that Assad was gassing his own people. And, uh, you know, the sad reality is that when a leader wants to go to war, uh, to initiate the war, he's got to lie to his own population and trick them into it. Because if he stood up and said, look, I want to invade this country and I want to steal their oil and uh, make us rich and them poor, you know, probably most uh, people would just say, oh, we'll sit this one out. Thank you very much. Uh, but, you know, pro-war propaganda is definitely a harbinger of the real war. And uh, we're seeing it not just on BBC, but the legacy media here in the United States of America. You know, they're, they're all following uh, the uh, White House talking points that this is a Russian invasion of Ukraine. And uh, uh, again, you know, it has come on out. Uh, to their credit, up in Germany, Der Spiegel ran a story confirming that NATO had, in fact, promised not to expand past uh, the uh, eastern border of Germany uh, following the German reunification. And then, of course, immediately set about breaking that promise. 
Russia is very concerned about, you know, they're being fenced in by all these NATO nations, which means uh, the West can uh, put uh, nuclear missiles uh, very, very close to Moscow, where Moscow would have at best minutes of warnings uh, of an incoming attack. And uh, Russia's understandably nervous about this. They want a little bit of a buffer zone. And I think Putin did exactly that by recognizing the uh, uh, Lugansk and Donetsk uh, People's Republics, uh, because now they're going to be setting up uh, Russian military bases in there and uh, basically push uh, the threat back a little tiny bit. But uh, Putin, uh, you know, rather than simply invading Ukraine, uh, Putin was very clever to recognize those republics. And it's hardly the first time uh, uh, they've done that. Uh, you know, Putin uh, supported Kazakhstan when uh, uh, they were going through uh, their problems some years ago. And nobody really criticized uh, him for that. But the fact of the matter is that any nation anywhere on Earth can recognize any other nation. And it's right in the UN Charter that people everywhere have a right to peaceful self-determination. And, uh, the, you know, that's now being uh, tossed away. And they, they keep using the phrase territorial integrity. Well, you know, nobody was worried about territorial integrity when we invaded Afghanistan or Syria or Iraq or, or any of the other dozens of places the U.S. military has been playing around in over the last uh, couple of decades. Very good point. The Ukrainian government might say to the separatists, if you want self-determination, get over the border and live in Russia. Well, a lot of them already have done precisely that because they don't want a war. And I'm getting a sense that Ukraine's government is badly factionalized. Uh, it has its share of war hawks, as all governments do. But Zelensky himself is still trying to reach out to Russia and say, let's try and talk this through. And I, I, I think Zelensky understands full well that the next war in Europe is going to start on his soil, and that's really not a, uh, a very attractive idea. And, uh, you know, Zelensky, uh, if he gets his way, might go along with Lugansk and Donetsk uh, being separate republics if it means avoiding a world war. And, uh, you know, the, the legacy media is trying to project uh, a... Uh, uh, this idea that NATO and the European Union are fully on board with Biden's uh, affairs in Ukraine. But uh, the reality is a lot of those countries, uh, you know, they, they've been through two world wars already and uh, they really don't want to see a third one. Uh, Italy in particular is uh, out there saying, no, this is a really, really bad idea. And uh, yeah, you know, there's only really a few countries that are out there pounding the war drums. Uh, Germany, uh, Great Britain are, are two of the ones leading the charge. Uh, but a lot of those other European countries are saying, uh, no, we, you know, we still have the scars from the first two world wars on our territory. And uh, we really don't want to go uh, with the third one. They're a bit close to it, all right. Michael Rivera was our guest. Check out whatreallyhappened.com. I'm sure you have already. Before I ask you how far do you think the US, the UK and, and others might go, how far do you think... Vladimir Putin might go. Scott Morrison, the Australian Premier, as you know, said something along the lines of Russia is going to do a full-scale invasion. 
within the next 24 hours. Now, we're hearing quite a bit of that from the mainstream media today. They're really ramping it up. Of course, your president, I know he's not your president really, Michael, but... Uh, no, Joe, no, Joe, <laughs> we call him his accidency. <laughs> his accidency. Uh, Joe Biden, but but he's, you know, challenged uh, the, 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 the setting up of hospitals, mobile hospitals, and the bringing in of blood. Why would you be doing that unless you're planning a full-scale invasion? Do, do you think... It's it's possible in the next 24, 36 hours, the next 72 hours, that Russia might make a move for Kiev? Well, no, I don't think uh, Putin is going to go beyond the borders of the uh, recognized republics. I think that's where Putin is going to draw his line, uh, because then he'll have his little buffer zone. And, uh, you know, Putin really doesn't need to go into Kiev. Uh, Putin understands that, uh, you know, Kiev is under the control of the uh, U.S. government and has been since the uh, U.S.-backed coup d'etat in 2014. And uh, Putin does not want a war with the United States, and uh, he just wants to protect his own country. And uh, uh, so I, I, I think his plan is basically uh, to fortify the uh, uh, recognized republics and basically make their, their border, you know, the boundary between east and west. Uh, but, uh, you know, there are too many people who want a full-on world war. Uh, the depopulation people certainly want that. Uh, the defense contractors want that. Uh, the banks want that. Uh, there's a lot of money to be made uh, in a major war, and the people who make that money really don't care who wins or loses no. uh, because they're getting it from both sides. Here's an email I received yesterday. Now, we've touched on these themes before. In the interest of a bit of balance, this came from Matisse, who wanted to contact this program to present another view on Russia. He says it's very one-sided now in the independent media, like it's evil West and good Russia, while the reality is a bit more complicated. He says, does Matisse, just as the West has its tactics and zones of influence, so does the East. There are no free independent countries. Every state is either under Western or Eastern influence. And ultimately, of course, he says, the West and the East is controlled by the same cabal. There's no real competition or conflict, he says, between the East and the West. This is carefully constructed script that helps advance multiple agendas. We all all get caught up in it, he says, you know, in this battle between the West and the East, when in reality the East and the West is controlled by the same sinister depopulation people. He makes a very good point and he makes it well. What would you say to that? Well, uh, uh, certainly, you know, depopulation uh, would be, uh, you know, one of the agendas being pushed by the war. Uh, but again, you know, there's a lot of money that is on the line here. And the idea, uh, certainly domestically here in the United States of America, uh, the politicians need a war. We're coming up on our midterm elections this fall, and uh, the American people are very unhappy over the handling of the economy, the handling of COVID, our wide open southern border, uh, uh, unrestrained spying on all the people. And, uh, you know, there's there's a new Hillary Clinton spying scandal that is uh, breaking out. And, uh, you know, they, they need a big distraction. And they're kind of hoping 
that a new world war, you know, the American people will forget all about these other problems and throw the flag a snappy salute and uh, <clears throat> toss their uh, money and their children into the designated war zone. And uh, the, the sad reality is it has worked before. Every time the United States gets itself into this kind of an economic mess, they get into a major war to get out of it. Crash of 1907, World War I. Crash of 1929, World War II. Crash of 2008. And here we go. Michael, we, um, before I ask you a little bit about what's been happening in Canada, Michael Rivero, by the way, folks, whatreallyhappened.com, you will get links to the radio show. It's a terrific radio show. A uh, very experienced broadcaster is Michael. Michael, I think you were about one of the first in the independent media to do daily live radio shows. You're definitely up there anyway, which is a great well, thing. Well, uh, you know, I started with the website, you yeah. know, about roughly 30 years ago. Uh, I've been doing talk radio for about 14, 15 years. I don't exactly remember. And... Uh, you know, when I entered radio, there was some company. When I started the website, I was one of just a handful. And now, of course, there are thousands and thousands of independent media websites out there uh, speaking truth to power. You were a pioneer, mate. There's no two ways about that. Before we yeah, talk. Yeah, and I got the arrows in my rear end to prove it. <laughs> you have the scars to prove it. That's right. <laughs> let, let me ask you about. I mean, final point on Ukraine. It's unthinkable that anyone would release a nuclear weapon anywhere, is it? Well, we'd like to hope that it is, but, uh, you know, with all this talk about uh, Saddam's nukes and Iran's nukes and everything, we need to keep in mind that only one country in history has used nuclear weapons against the civilians of another country, and that's the United States. And right now, the future fate of the world is resting in the hands of whichever world leader is the least mentally stable. And frankly, i got to tell you, our uh, our president or resident, if you will, uh, in the White House, you know, he's a few French fries short of a Happy Meal. Well, he doesn't look well. No, he doesn't look well. You know, I I sometimes think maybe, and I I don't say this about you now, I say this about myself, that we, we never apply the same principles of respect towards elected officials that we would to other people. Like, if it was another senior citizen... We might have some sympathy with, you know, ageing and possible cognitive issues. But with, with Biden, it's just open season in terms of the jokes and the gags. But I'm not virtue signalling. I mean, I'm, I laugh at him a lot when I, when I watch him on TV. But anyway, we'll leave that there for the moment. Well, well I'd like to respond go on, to that. Go on, I mean, jump if in, jump Biden in. was just a senior citizen, we would, uh, you know, probably treat him with respect. Uh, but he isn't. He's been set up you know, to be this uh, puppet ruler of the United States. And, uh, you know, he's out there uh, with his, uh, you know, obvious dementia, uh, making decisions that are very harmful to the American society as a whole. And uh, if we crack jokes about him, uh, it's uh, to try and keep the mood light in a very, very serious dark time. Fair enough. Listen, I'm endorsing the gags. I just sometimes, whatever is he is and whatever is behind him and we kind of suspect we know what it is he's still just some very old very frail man but I, look I hear you loud and clear over the years the first time we spoke would have been back in 2010 I was doing a radio gig in Spain and yes. uh, we, we, we chatted away and we used to spend a lot of time on those radio shows talking about the things that certain groups of people wanted to introduce the, the, the dystopian things and we often talked about in the future, there would be a time in the future, you, you talked about this for years, when, when governments would cut off the oxygen of people 
they didn't like. So they, you know, might kill your bank account because they don't like your political opinions or, or whatever. Yeah, that's we used to, happening now. This is it, Michael. And I was thinking, when, when I dropped you the text message yesterday, I was thinking I was going all the way back to those programs. And here we have a guy in Canada who thinks he can, and well, I say he thinks he has done it, freezing the bank accounts of ordinary men and women who've never done anything wrong because they feel that it's the right thing to do to support people in their right to determine what medicines they do and don't take, and he's cutting them off. You, you, you knew this was coming. Does it ease the sense of shock when it does happen, or are you still absolutely flabbergasted that we're living through no, this? No, you know, I've seen this coming uh, for a very, very long time. Uh, you know, seeing it happen now, I mean, there, there have been so many times I wish I was absolutely wrong about this stuff. And, uh, you know, watching it happen in Canada and it's uh, it's happening here in the United States. Uh, you know, I mean, uh, when I was a small child, I never, ever dreamed I would grow up to see the United States like this. You never, never imagined it, Michael. No. And your parents would never have imagined it. Claire's parents would no. never have imagined that you would have people being told by an elected official, if you don't take this medicine I've got for you, Will, will you you will lose your job? You will lose your your livelihood. How I ask this every time I speak to someone in the U.S. Could, because everything is moving so quickly. Do, yes. do, do, do you have any sense of what the general population feeling is around mandates? Are they sympathetic to the mandates, Michael, or are they not? Are people fuming about the idea? Uh, they are definitely opposed to the mandates. Uh, they believe in a freedom of medical choice, and that includes a lot of people who went ahead and got the vaccination. And uh, But they're saying it should be a matter of uh, personal choice, and the government doesn't have any authority or business coming on in and forcing us to take shots, especially with these experimental gene therapies that are showing so many adverse events. The adverse events, isn't that amazing? You and I spoke years ago about vaccines. When yes. the swine flu jab began to cause people serious problems, you obviously would have been on my programme talking about that very thing. And back then you told me that there was another swine flu jab authorised for use in the United States sometime around the mid-1970s. And yeah, 1976. It, yeah, and apparently, Michael, it caused a couple... Or, or, or a handful of, of issues, and it was immediately removed from circulation. And, and that was only a handful of problems, as opposed yes. to today. How, how badly... How do, do we... Do, look, I, I look at the VAERS data as well. It's not that easy, um, you know, to, to, to compile it and, and, and to read, you know, and, and to accurately kind of analyse it. Not for me, anyway. When you look at the VAERS data and the yellow card data here in the UK. Just how serious are the vaccine injuries? Uh, they are very serious. Uh, we're seeing fully vaccinated people, young people, uh, dropping dead from strokes and heart attacks. And uh, uh, we've seen uh, the uh, in-flight deaths of pilots skyrocket, which is a very dangerous situation here. Uh, there are neurological problems being reported from these gene therapies. Uh, uh, Bell's palsy uh, among them, uh, Guillain-Barre syndrome. And uh, uh, the list uh, really goes on and on. And uh, there, uh, there have been a huge number of vaccine injuries and deaths reported in the U.S. and in Europe. Uh, and a lot of countries are now starting to cancel their vaccine mandates because of this. And, uh, you know, part of it is uh, driven by the money. 
the vaccine makers are raking in hundreds of billions of dollars on this, and they don't want that to stop. Here in the U.S., they're now saying that uh, there will be an annual COVID shot like the annual flu shot to guarantee the pharmaceutical companies an ongoing revenue stream. So uh, it really is a bit of a racket. And, uh, uh, you know, people are trying to get at the real facts and information. And right now the CDC is under a tremendous amount of fire because uh, they have suppressed information about the uh, effectiveness of booster shots uh, in a middle-aged uh, group uh, of, of Americans, uh, uh, because basically the data shows the boosters have no effect whatsoever. Uh, and uh, the CDC withheld that, saying that it would only increase vaccine hesitancy and fuel those gosh darn anti-vaxxer uh, people. That's outrageous, and, uh, isn't it, Michael? So, I mean... They're, they're cherry-picking the data to support the narrative that the vaccines are safe and effective and you have to get the shot. Uh, this is outright research fraud that they're committing. It is. There's, there's no other way of putting it. What do you say to those who, for example, here in the UK, the, the Joint Committee on Vaccination and Immunisation has authorised the jabs for 5 to 11-year-olds? Now, everyone knows that, that COVID is basically a non-threat to that age group, there's no, there's no arguing yeah, with that, right? Yeah, they, uh, you know, uh, uh, up to teenagers, uh, COVID is, you know, uh, they rarely get it, uh, they, uh, they never die from it. Uh, so you have to realize something else is going on. And that was uh, my question, take- by the way. That was my next question because there, there will be people listening to us, and they will say, "Of course, it's a boon, it's a godsend to the pharmaceutical companies in terms of revenue." But there are friends of ours, people you and I have known over the years, and there are epidemiologists that I've had on this program, and they say there's something else going on there that these jabs are, are have been designed to do something to the to to the human genome, to what it is to be human. And it ain't good. Do you understand why people think like that? Well, what do you well, think? Well, yeah, I understand it. First of all, it's no secret that these mRNA shots are, in fact, changing your DNA. And uh, there are a lot of ramifications coming from that. Uh, the courts in this country have already ruled uh, that genetically modified products are patentable. And, uh, you know, farmers whose crops become accidentally contaminated with GMO uh, pollen, you know, are being forced to pay royalties and residuals to the, uh, uh, the manufacturers of these GMO products. And there was one legal scholar came forward and said that, uh, you know, if we all get these uh, uh, gene therapy shots here, we could be declared property of the pharmaceutical companies. Now, I think that's a little bit out there, but I mean, that's the kind of thinking that we're seeing going uh, around there. Certainly, the uh, the uh, tyrannical amongst us, like uh, you know, Crime Minister Trudeau, yeah. uh, you know, see this as an opportunity to increase their authority over the people uh, to a very high degree. And I noticed that as COVID uh, is starting to be uh, uh, pushed back by the population, they're shifting gears back to uh, human-caused global warming to try and justify more draconian control over our lives. How much gas you can buy, how warm you can keep your house, and uh, all the rest of it. Michael, I've never been a guy for predictions. Um, I'm not being modest. I'm a pretty reasonably intelligent guy, but I've, I've never been one to, to make predictions about things You've, you've always been good at that. You've, you've seen the terrain. You've looked at the way the wind is blowing and you've made some calls over the years. It's not my thing. But I did it one time, Michael. In, in March 2020, 
I surmised that it wouldn't be long before climate lockdowns were a thing. And I, I, I hadn't heard of that anywhere else. And then six or eight months later, people were talking about climate lockdowns. They've done it in India already. They've had lockdowns for, yes. for, for, for bad air, for, for polluted air. I saw it coming, Michael. I saw how in the near future they would say, well, you know, wasn't it great when we had the lockdowns because the planet got to breathe a bit. How about in the near future we, we ration people's travel uh, ability or their ability to travel. We we ration their car mileage. Or Michael, imagine imagine I was living on on one side of the street and you were on the other. Imagine every other weekend they say, right, it's the second weekend now in the month. So Michael's side of the street, you get to go on a Sunday drive. But Richie's side of the street, you get to go first and and third or second and fourth or whatever. That's coming, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It, you know, the one thing people with power want is more power. And uh, you look at the uh, liberal agenda, uh, you know, they're they're all in favor of complete socialistic control of the population like they had in the old Soviet Union. In fact, polls here in the United States about uh, what Trudeau is doing in Canada, uh, most Americans overall are opposed to it. uh, But liberal Democrats are, you know, they're they're all in favor. Yes. You know, you do what you're told by the government, You, you know, for, you know, freedom is not unlimited. Michael, some of these people went to the World Economic Forum Young Leaders Program, didn't they? Quite a few of them. Jacinda Ardern, Trudeau was there. People shouldn't yes. forget. People, people should not forget. So was Vladimir Putin, which uh, which our email friend would probably say. You see, they're all in this together, even if it doesn't appear so. But yeah, a lot of them went to. How how we how how dangerous is this guy Schwab? In the grand well, scheme of it, things, uh, it looks like he's more dangerous even than George Soros is, and. Uh, you know, we, we we get these people who are very powerful and very wealthy, and they, you know, we we know that they've been pushing for a single global government for a very long time, and inevitably part of that plan has to be to convince the people of the world that their own national government is no good, so that they won't support it when it's time to impose the global government. Yeah, we've got about three, four minutes left, Mike. Um, it's great speaking with you. I've no idea how happy I am today. Uh, there's, there's nothing like an old mate, eh? Nothing like an old pal. Michael Rivero, folks, great broadcaster well, and writer. Go easy on that old part, okay? Well, you're a little bit older than I am. Listen, you, you, you had quite a bit to do with one of my favourite ever B-movies ever. Alligator. Folks, Michael was involved in Alligator. He did the special effects for that Alligator back in the day when they didn't have CGI and stuff like that, when you had to get your hands dirty with um, God knows what latex, Mike, was it, and stuff. And uh, yeah, you know, actually, in a way, it was a lot more fun. But uh, I do like the computer paradigm, and, uh, you know, I did do a lot of it yeah. until I got blacklisted out of Hollywood. Well, of course, because you have opinions that are not popular. Well, they are popular yes. with people who understand what's going on. Uh, whatreallyhappened.com is Michael's website. Check, check him out. Uh, I know you have done, but if, if you're new to this type of program, go and check Michael, whatreallyhappened.com. A uh, great friend of mine, I'm sure you know, Spiro Skouras has been on. He's listening with, with great interest. He's another very, very good journalist. He sent me the, la- the latest VAERS data. Mike, you'll know this. Our listeners might not. 23,990 deaths have been reported to VAERS after a COVID jab. Michael, that's, 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 yeah, that's outrageous. The VAERS data, data may not even really be accurate because it takes about an hour for a doctor to file a report to VAERS. And so uh, they're estimating that it's not counting all the cases. In fact, it may only uh, be uh, recording 6% of the cases. It's Yeah. And, and I mean, the, the COVID death thing, I, I, I was fascinated. 
at, at your reporting of COVID because um, you know you come at it from all angles and, and, and you're fair and you, you, you got a lot of the same stuff that I got from people who said it never existed COVID it's a complete con it's like wag the dog it just doesn't exist and I understand why some people think that I, I believe that, that COVID to the best of my knowledge anyway does exist and I, I believe it did come out of that lab but again I don't yes. know this is just my guess right based on what I've read and and for some people it might be serious but for the vast majority it's not but you had to deal with all of that sort of stuff but this whole thing about counting the COVID deaths how did they get away with that Michael um, counting a death as someone who died within 28 days of testing positive even if they fell off of a double decker bus Mike you know, if you tested yeah, positive, we've, we've seen that. We've, we've seen that. I mean, uh, uh, there was a, oh. a case where a man was killed in a car accident, thrown from the car and died. Uh, but he uh, tested positive for COVID. So he was listed as a COVID death to drive yeah. up the numbers to support the fear porn. Tell me this before um, before we go. Two things. I know when the radio show was on. Uh, let our listeners know where they can hear the radio show. I know all the details are at whatreallyhappened.com, but give it a good plug. It's a great radio show with a huge following. And is the glass half full or half empty, Michael? Will, will we ever reach critical mass where enough people come together and realise we can't have what happened in Canada? We can't have people treated like that. We can't have mandates. We can't have television stations shut down because they permit you know certain discussions. Will we reach critical mass Michael, do I you think, think we already are, you know, with these trucker convoys here. And I think that's why we're seeing Klaus Schwab, uh, you know, and the globalists are, are trying to rush their agenda along, uh, you know, before more people wake on up. Uh, so, uh, yeah, people are definitely waking up. I know talking to people around here, uh, uh, you know, I live in the continental U.S. now. I moved away from Hawaii and uh, people around here, they, they, they do know what's going on. They're getting angry. And finally, and thanks again for coming back on today, when uh, and where can people hear your excellent radio show? Okay, I'm with the Republic Broadcasting Network. Uh, the website is republicbroadcasting.org. And uh, my show runs from 3 p.m. to 5 p.m. Central Time, uh, U.S. Time. And uh, there's also an archive page where if you don't want to be staying up until the middle of the night, uh, you can... Uh, uh, catch replays of the show. Uh, there's a video adjunct if you go to whatreallyhappened.com. Uh, in the right menu, there's a, a pane called Ron Gibson's Video Archive, and you can find the uh, video of the radio shows there as well at your convenience. God bless, Michael. It's an absolute gift to have you back on today. I missed having you on. I hope you'll be uh, back on real too. soon. Top man, yeah. Michael. Look after yourself and uh, keep up the, the amazing work. Michael Rivero, live on the Richie Allen Show, Wednesday's programme, as the time is coming up for four and a half minutes to six o'clock. I'll be reading your comments. Of course I will. Uh, I'll be reading your comments next. Uncensored. Unfiltered. You're listening to Richie Allen on the world's most popular independent news radio show. Well, I'll tell you what, I'll read your comments after a tune. I'll give myself a tune so that I can I can have a glass of water. Roy Orbison, you got it on your Richie Allen show. Roy Orbison, you got it on the Richie Allen show. Thanks again to Spiro for the information. Zero Hedge is reporting that the Pentagon has approved the deployment of National Guard troops to deal with the trucker convoy protest in D.C., it's actually Catabella Roberts of Epoch Times reporting 
that the National Guard, that's the Reserve Army, I think it's the best way of saying it, to be deployed to DC to deal with the truckers there. Open tyranny. But then I've said that before, haven't I? Pandora said her mind has been absolutely blown by the knowledge that Michael Rivero was involved in designing the alligator in the great B-movie Alligator. It is a fantastic film, that. Yes, Michael had a, a stint in Hollywood. Special effects and visual effects, I suppose. A great, uh, great career he's had as Mike, no doubt. Nelly says we are in times of upgrade, we humans, via the sun. Uh, think about it, how in recent years we're told to shield from the sun. And these Baxters know this. Thus, they're every opportunity to deny the universal upgrade but they want us to have the vaccine downgrade. That's what the jabs are all about, to deny our natural universal upgrade, says Nelly. It's very spiritual, Nelly. Thank you. Uh, thanks to Keen Wong. Thank you, Keen. Michael's a great guy. It's been two years since Michael was on, eh? Strange, that. Uh, hi to Alan in Liverpool. Hi to Jeanette, too. Good evening. Good evening. Uh, Gavin says COVID is no threat to anyone. Never mind five to 11-year-olds. Still talking as though COVID is or was a virus of any consequence. Gavin, you don't have any proof to the contrary. I'm not saying you're wrong, by the way. But this is the dogmatic thinking that um, I try and avoid because it's useless when, when dealing with the majority of people. You know, the majority of people believe that COVID is a thing and that it is harmful to older people and compromised people or people with comorbidity. So, look, I know there are people who don't believe it exists. That's fair enough. I like the phrase, it could be argued. And I've tried to instill that, <laughs> if I if I could be so bold. Who am I to instill anything in anyone? Let people say whatever they want to say. Absolutely. But I like, it could be argued. It could be argued that COVID is a figment of the imagination of some very dastardly people. It could be argued. I work on the basis, not because it's convenient, but because of what I've seen, that COVID is a genuine but very mild respiratory thing that isn't really anything other than the flu. So that's what I think. So that's what I argue, right? Doesn't mean I'm right, though. Hey, Ramola is standing by. Will be with me in a couple of minutes' time. You do please continue to speak to me through the website, richieallen.co.uk. We, we can agree to disagree, can't we? Um, Vivisection says, please stop calling it medicine. Call it what it is, poison jabs. Yeah, well, I don't want to call it vaccines. Or I don't want to call it a vaccine because it isn't a vaccine. It's medicine of sorts, isn't it? It's bad medicine, I... I, I believe, but I hear you, I hear you, I hear you. Amy agrees and feels a teeny, teeny, teeny bit sorry for Biden. Can't watch the videos because I get second-hand embarrassment, says Amy. Biden did that thing to autocue today. Anyone who's ever worked on TV will have seen autocue. And he was talking about the delivery of blood, blood supplies, to the front line, saying that this is proof that Putin wants to invade fully invade Ukraine, to go to go the full hog, the, the full nine yards, as they say in America. And the state of Biden, first of all, barely able to stand up, and second of all, very struggling, struggling very badly to, to read the autocue. But then some very young 
men and women who've worked in television have struggled to read the autocue as well. Anywho, three minutes past the hour. Thanks for the comments. Thank you for the comments. Okay, okay, okay. Shall I take another tune? Going to take another tune before we get Ramola on. Busy all day today. It's a Wednesday's Richie Allen radio show. This is Nancy Griffith. Nancy Griffith. And Lone Star State of Mind on the Richie Allen Show. Nancy Griffith then, the late, great Nancy Griffith. I just said to Jean-Anne, there's always Bacardi. When all else fails, there's Bacardi. When things are looking doubtful, there's Bacardi. At two minutes to midnight, when the forces are closing in around, you're running out of ammunition, you're down to your last penknife, there's always Bacardi. That's how I'm going to go out. If it ever gets to that. I said this before, didn't I? If it ever gets to that, vaccine passports everywhere, social crediting, you can't do anything. I'm going to load up Bacardi and Coke and sit in my front garden with my missus and our dogs and just give zero fix. That's how I'm going to go out if it gets to that. Bacardi. I don't get anything from from Bacardi. I think I've mentioned Bacardi. I've just said it again. Many, many, many times over the years, I don't get a penny from the great corporation that is Bacardi. I don't get anything. Nothing. Maybe I should. Maybe I should. My next guest, the terrific lady. Great, great lady. I'm so glad she's back. It's been uh, months since she was on the programme. Late last year she was on. She is a poet, uh, an independent journalist with um, expertise in science, management, literature. Uh, You can check her out, please do, at everydayconcerned.net. Everydayconcerned.net. You'll also find her on YouTube as well, unless... She's been tampered with there on, on, on YouTube as well. Do you know what I think I've done there? I think I've done something very stupid. I think I've, I've, I've rung the wrong person. <laughs> I just rang somebody else. And I was just about to introduce Ramola. But it would have been somebody else on the line. Incredibly. I just saw it out of the corner of my eye. I nearly introduced Kevin Barrett as Ramola. But, but I just stopped myself at the last minute. And Kevin answered. Anyway, as I said, um, poet, independent journalist, expert in science and management, a terrific public speaker, everydayconcerned.net is the website. It's a pleasure to welcome back to the programme the one and only Ramola D. How are you doing, Ramola? Hi, Richie. Really nice to hear from you again. Ah, you're fantastic. You're in Massachusetts, of course. Right. How's right, it looking there? Right. I ask you that because... I've just had a message from my pal Spiro and he tells me that the Pentagon has authorised the National Guard to go and deal with trucker protests in in DC. This following on, of course, from um from, from what we've what we've seen in in Canada. So I, I I've no doubt you'll be watching that very, very closely. It's hard to know what's happening. I'm I'm gonna ask you and just shut up and get out of your way. On the one hand it seems as if things are quietening down a bit in terms of COVID. Mm-hmm. Governments seem to be retreating a bit and easing off from the restrictions. And people are a bit suspicious about that. They think that maybe that will be the calm before the storm or they're giving us a break from what's coming next. But but the other side of that is we see what happened in Canada, people's bank accounts being frozen, absolute tyranny mm-hmm. up there. And now the National Guard heading to DC, DC to deal with protests there. What do you think? What's going on? 
Oh, I don't know. That is actually bad news. But, you know, it kind of seems to be very much along the same lines of what we are seeing worldwide. I mean, look at what Justin Trudeau did, right? I mean, freezing those bank accounts, going after the protesters, having Ottawa police uh, really attack protesters very brutally. And then the police chief actually responding at a press conference saying they're going to go after everybody who uh, even supported the truckers in any way whatsoever. You know, they're going to go after their bank accounts, they're going to put them on lists and whatnot. So that is an amping up of the tyranny and sort of a promise to amp up the tyranny even further. And, um, you know, it's over the top. It is absolutely over the top. And I think what we are seeing literally, Richie, around the world is we are seeing pushback from the people, You know, people are not going to take it anymore. I mean, just look at the crowds that came out in Canada and also in Australia, right? I mean, you've been following the protests, I'm sure, around the world, in Canberra, etc. I think what's happening is uh, we're seeing, it's almost like a clash of egos, you know, but um, obviously the power, the military power is in the hands of the state. And uh, it's kind of a terrifying moment to see that the state is coming out with weaponry now that they are using against protesters, as we saw in Canberra with those radiation burns that many people are reporting. Yeah. And suppose, supposedly an LRAD, which I think uh, people are looking at and saying that's not really an LRAD, it is a microwave weapon, it's a 5G weapon. And if you look at their, their own documentation, you know, I reported on, I think last year, mid to last year, I reported on the Dutch secretary speaking openly about um, we're going to be using 5G in crowd control technologies. And that's um, ADS, active denial system, millimeter wave weapons, you know, high gigahertz weapons. And it appears that that's what's been used at the Canberra protest, which is what I think Red Bull World, I don't know who that is, who runs Red Bull World. Um, is it Greg Rees, the guy from Infowars? But he put out a video uh, talking about those um, rectangular boxes at the Canberra protest being MIMO pads multi-input, multi-output pads, which are a means of um, amplifying the microwave energy and uh, sending it out. So, I mean, that's like, that's an active denial system. That's um, that's really burning people up with microwaves and millimeter waves. I, yeah, and, so having, if, and having no, how do I say this? No pause button, no moral questioning about it just using and I wanted to ask you on that when we heard about you know US officials were saying that they were in Cuba weren't they weren't weren't US officials Mm -hmm. working in Cuba um, in the last couple of years they said that they they felt that they might have been targeted by similar type weaponry and I wonder were they were they were they trialing or training using these weapons knowing that these protests were coming. Now, that's a real stretch on my behalf, but I wonder about that. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of um, information that's being hidden from us, clearly, and so I think we're all speculating at this point. I mean, the whole um, Havana, Cuba, Shanghai, China incidents yeah. with the diplomats and the spies, you know, there were. there's been news about this in the mainstream media from, I think, 2015, 2016, right? And um, over the course of the last five years, 
in mainstream media and in the so-called official establishment, we've seen a kind of surfacing of information regarding microwave weapons, sonic weapons, and acoustic neuroweapons, you know, based on what these diplomats and spies are reporting, the horrific attacks that they uh, felt uh, they have endured. And, you know, just recently, um, Richie, this is something I've been following pretty closely because I want to write more about it is there was a Havana Syndrome conference. So they've called this Havana Syndrome. So when these uh, people from the um, Department of State and from uh, the CIA come forward to report these uh, attacks on their eardrums, their brains, etc., the the doctors and scientists examining this publicly have stated that this is called Havana Syndrome. You know, and that comes out of Penn Medicine, I think. The University of Pennsylvania has got a Center for Traumatic Brain Injury and Repair that's been um, involved in put, pulling together this di- so-called diagnosis. It's a syndrome, for God's sake. You know, they, yeah. which really means they don't know what's going on. But... Um, You know, to me, this is all a cover story, and that's another aspect of it. But in any case, looking at what they're doing publicly, this is what they're doing. They're calling it a Havana syndrome. And last week, they had a conference called, you know, well, it was titled Medical Scientific, um, a Medical and Scientific Look at Havana Syndrome. But it was run out of a psychiatry department at the University of Utah. You know, it was the Southwestern Medicine Center at Utah. It was run out of the psychiatry department and it had neuropsychiatrists. It had Dr. Giordano, whom everybody probably knows, you know, military neuroscientist, quite famous now because he's been talking openly about the weapons that the U.S. Armory has and probably every military around the world at this point. They've got neuroweapons, all right? They've got neuroweapons which use a variety of technologies, ultrasonics, microwaves, millimeter waves, you name it. Uh, you know, they've got nanotech, etc. And uh, he's also a neuroethicist, supposedly. He is the head of neuroethics at Georgetown University. So he was there. There were some other doctors. There were neuropsychiatrists. There were a couple of people from the mainstream media. I think a guy from Fox News, um, Daniel Hoffman, who used to be CIA. So you see steady track from CIA to Fox News there, <laughs> which I have to remark. Yeah. And uh, then then you have, um, gosh, what's her name? Suzanne Kelly. She was from the Cypher Brief, you know, which is, I guess, like a spy magazine or a spy center cover, um, cover publisher. <laughs> Yeah. So presenting the intelligence agencies in a in a holy light, and um, then we also had um, somebody from NPR, and he interviewed Mark. Um, gosh, I forget this guy's last name, but he was the famous CIA spy um, in Russia who was hit and who went public and went to the press and talked about it. So he actually reports having had a tough time trying to convince people at the CIA that he was hit in this fashion and uh, getting the medical help that he needed, which he got apparently only after he went public. But you see, that's um, the reason I bring up this whole conference and the Savannah Syndrome thing is now we are seeing a surfacing, a kind of public disclosure, so to speak, of weapons that some of us, Richie, have known they've had in their arsenal for years and that they've been steadily building for years. You know, we've been looking at the documents, the patterns, I've been speaking to people for so many years now who are reporting being hit with these weapons 
I have also been hit with these weapons and I also am reporting the same kind of um, being hit with these weapons. But, you know, what I'm being hit with is very different from what the guys um, from Havana and Shanghai are reporting. They are reporting sort of intense one-at-a-time attacks that kind of really lay them to the ground. What I'm reporting is, no, they are using microwave weapons sort of like a smart grid thing. You know, they're surrounding people. They are using it against people. For instance, I, as a writer and journalist, every time I put out a podcast or write an article that's particularly significant, I think, I'm being hit more, you know, instant migraines, being hit in the head, etc. So Celeste Solom and I were just talking about this, you know, so I don't know if you followed her work. She's dropping a major bombshell currently. And um, do check out her channel. I advise everyone to go check out her channel. Oh, no, I will. She I will. just published. Go on, go ahead. This is fascinating stuff. Yeah, go on. No, go ahead. Because I've got some questions, okay. but I'm, I, want, I want you to finish this. This is good. Okay, I'll Okay, I'll just finish what I was saying. So she just, um, I did a news break with her on Monday, and she revealed this project that she's been working on. She says she got um, information, documentation, she literally got the playbook for what's coming next. And it has to do with Havana syndrome. So what she's saying is, and she's put out now on her channel part one, she co- she's calling this whack a brain, <laughs> evocatively. So... Um, What she's saying is their plans are to extend the Havana syndrome attacks on everybody. So these are cognitive warfare aspects of what's going on. So, you know, we are, as humanity, as everybody knows, we're already being targeted. You know, collectively, we are being targeted around the globe. We've been targeted for years and decades with all sorts of manner of weaponry, right? Including harp, the chemtrails, the fluoride in the water. Um, and now this smart grid technology, which many people don't know about, but I think people are waking up to after the information from Canberra in particular, where the directed energy weapons were physically um, available for everybody to see. So we've been targeted for many years, but now Celeste is telling us they are moving into open targeting with neuroweaponry. And so she says the next pandemic, you know, I know we've heard uh, from a certain whistleblower whose name escapes me currently, but he's the one who came forward and talked about Marburg virus, right? He said that's what they're planning is the next big pandemic and it's going to involve hemorrhaging and whatnot. Well, Interestingly enough, Celeste is telling me that the kind of acoustic neuroweapon that they are planning to use as cognitive warfare indeed hits at the ears, hits at the temples, and attacks the brain, and is likely to produce different levels of neurodamage, but it's also likely to produce internal hemorrhaging as this Marburg virus supposedly is supposed to produce. You're answering my so, questions, I mean, by I the th- way. You're, an- you're answering my questions. I look at these directed energy weapons used to mm-hmm. suppress um, protests, used to push back crowds. And I felt, and again, it's because of the research of others, yours, uh, Celeste and others. I felt that mm-hmm. that ultimately they would want to use this in, in neighbourhoods against people in their own homes because I've spoken to targeted people over the years many people men and women and Mm -hmm. I I felt very sorry for them because I felt they were constantly gaslighted you know and and labelled as insane and paranoid 
And I didn't believe they were insane yeah. and paranoid. I didn't believe you were insane and paranoid. I spoke to Barry Trower 11 years ago on the radio. Barry did, oh, did, yeah. did research on this stuff for the, for the, for the UK Navy. Uh, and he was talking about mm-hmm. this years and years and years ago, that they could do these things to people, you know, without physically mm-hmm. touching them with a weapon or with their hands, that they could do these things to people's minds and to their, to their bodies. So I'm fully on board. I know this is real. And, 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 and I have suspected that the next generation of this thing is to come after people in their homes when they're having their meals with their families, when they're watching television, to, to, uh, to target them that mm-hmm. way, to, 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 to make them think a certain way, but also to physically harm them. Absolutely right. I believe it. And some years ago, I, you know, mm-hmm. I would have found it preposterous to be discussing this and found it, I would have been embarrassed if my radio colleagues had heard me talking about this, but I, I can see it with my own eyes. It's coming to our neighbourhoods. And tell, tell me this, and you've all the time you need, of, of course, um, you know this, Ramola. How significant mm-hmm. then is fifth generation connectivity, 5G, to this plan to, to target the population in their homes? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, as you as you just pointed out, Barry Trow is a very important whistleblower in this um, sphere, Richie, and he, like Dr. Robert Duncan, and also at this point, Dr. James Giordano, have brought us notice of these weapons. And over time, you say you've spoken to lot of, lots of targets who've told you about how the neighborhood is rigged, right? Yeah. And I think that's the answer. I, that's the answer. I've been making some observations, very close observations in my own neighborhood for a very long time. And it's very clear to me. I mean, if you, um, anybody can go online, I think at this point in time, and look up antennasearch.com if you're in the U.S., probably anywhere in the world, probably, and find out what cell towers are around you, right? And what cell um, antennas are around you. We are surrounded by them, especially in the cities. They are on every light pole, right? Cell antennas are on every light pole. And now they're putting in the 5G antennas um, as well. And, um, you know, your question, I think, is how is 5G going to impact this? Well, I think 4G is already impacting. I think wireless is where the great danger is. Wireless is already impacting. 5G, I think, sort of um, bumps it up to a different level, probably, because it's higher frequency. And um, even though it's lower uh, range, what they've been trying to do is set up these antennas at closer quarters, you know, and yeah. they're cutting trees down in neighborhoods in a very sneaky way. I think they're doing it slowly so people don't notice, you know, they are cutting trees down because trees do, according to them, stop the transmission. I don't know how to what extent that's true. That's what I hear. That's what I read. Um, but they are cutting trees down, which also increases the heat profile. You know, literally, you are going to be more able to be cooked in your room and your in your home if there's less tree canopy around, you know, as shade and whatnot, um, and to absorb some of that energy, no doubt. But they are cutting trees down very sneakily, even in Massachusetts. And um, they've got these antennas now in neighborhoods. So it's a variety of means. The so-called smart grid doesn't just use the cell towers and the cell antennas and the light poles. You know, we are talking about very secretive operations here. They are not doing this in the open. The intelligence agencies and the militaries are most definitely involved. And they are using parked cars, so they are using emitters, 
microwave emitters and transmitters in parked cars, in people's driveways and on the street. Many people have reported strange cars just suddenly parked on their cul-de-sacs and on their streets. Um, they're using vans like service vans and utility vans. And there's a lot of public-private partnerships, by the way. And all of this is being done, quote-unquote, legally through the fusion centers. So I don't know if you know, but this, uh, if you recalled, you must have seen this video, the um, the police chief in Canberra was asked by some member of parliament at, um, in the Legislative Affairs Committee in, a, in Canberra or Australia, uh, what he could tell them about those uh, MIMO pads or so, so-called LRADs that were used in Canberra on February 12th. And this police chief kind of, you know, uh, didn't give a proper answer. He just sort of wiggled in his chair, it looked like. And he said, um, well, those are police methodologies and we're looking into public uh, so, uh, public immunity, public interest immunity claims. I mean, look at that. So basically he's telling you he's going to try to find a better way to wiggle out of answering that. Amazing. In other words, he's not, you know what I mean? Yeah. So the police are not telling us, the police are not telling us what weaponology they've got and what they are indeed using. Same case in Massachusetts. I put in a FOIA request to find out what kinds of, um, I use the term non-lethal weaponry, was being used by the police departments. Because, you know, that's what I was reading. That's the terminology I was reading, non-lethal weaponry. Later, people told me, no, you shouldn't have used that terminology. You should have said surveillance devices. Right, right, so, yeah. Um, you know, because that's how they're hiding it. They, they're calling the surveillance devices. And what they are actually using, which is what the targeted people in the in the world are at this point reporting, is they are using microwave weapons. They're using infrared weapons. Okay, they're using through wall radar. That's millimeter wave weapons. They're using all of these weapons, and they're using these frequency sonic weapons as well. So the kind of things those diplomats and spies are reporting, I mean, a lot of people are reporting as well. They, I think some people call it tinnitus or tinnitus. Yeah, but What is yeah. it? It's directional energy from outside. Is, is that, is that right? Know, because, so, because, because there will be people listening to this, and they will say, I'll listen, tinnitus has been around since Moses was a boy. People have had ringing in their ears, you know. There will be people right. who will say that. But let, let me read a couple of quick comments. Ramola D is our is our guest. This is very important. This uh, this this particular subject is going to become increasingly important as these weapons are rolled out more and more and more. Um, she's a journalist, a writer, and a poet. You can find her at everydayconcerned.net. She's had personal experience as Ramola of being targeted by uh, the weaponry we've been discussing. Number of you uh, giving a shout out to Barry Troer. Uh, Gaz says he's been getting burning migraines so bad that it's basically rendered him unconscious. Uh, he's not saying it's 5G, but he's never had this type of thing before. And I'm presuming, Gaz, you're telling us this because you are now in the proximity of a 5G mass. Thanks for that. number of people are asking about the antennae or antennae on lampposts. Now, I find this particularly fascinating. There is a 5G mast, Ramola, and it's about a mm -hmm. half a mile away from where I live, but half a mile away. Mm -hmm. And I've been watching the streetlights or the lampposts to see any evidence of, you know, antenna or antennae. And I haven't. Um, I'm, not in, I'm, not, I'm not, you know, saying that, that, that you're wrong. In fact, I don't think you are wrong. 
But um, I have asked people who've talked about the the streetlight antenna, have you actually seen them? Now, have you seen these things up close? Because I haven't. The, the, anten- the, the antenna, yes. have you seen them up close? Right. Okay. Well, I've seen a five, there is a 5G cylindrical antenna that just suddenly popped up in my neighborhood, literally one street away from where I live. Overnight. About, you know, probably, um, yeah, it just came up overnight. Yeah. And, you know, I haven't yet called the city to find out, you know, who's put it up. I've called the city before to find out about the antenna on all of our posts, just opposite our houses and stuff. And they've told me that those uh, lamp, the what do you call it, those light bulbs don't belong to the city. They belong to Verizon or AT&T. So I would have to ask them. That's what they told me. So I presume that this new 5G thing also belongs to Verizon or AT&T. So you see, this is how the, the local government doesn't take responsibility for what's happening to the residents in the neighborhood. No. You know, it's become such a commercial thing at this point. Yeah, so it's these corporations, these telecom corporations, are behaving in an unethical fashion. And, you know, uh, um, there's one thing, I think Mark Steele talks about LED lights on uh, street poles, etc. I'm not talking about that because I'm actually in contact with somebody who who tells me he's the inventor of the LED lights. And he says, no, the LED lights are just for the safety of people and they are connected to computers, etc. There's yeah. an antenna on top of them. Yeah, but that's supposed to just, you know, it's for public safety. And ah, is that right? It's not. Now, do you know, you know the yeah, L- that's what the, he tells me. That's what he tells you. The LED lights are unhealthy for an entirely different reason. They're just unhealthy. They're 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 okay. bad. It's dreadful. But what what comes out of them? And it's it's bad for your mood. It's bad for your eyes. It's bad for. They say it's bad for the pituitary gland. I I don't know. Maybe it is. There's so many questions, right? And it's half yeah, six yeah. now. We're we're going to go for another twenty five minutes before we go to the que- okay. some brilliant questions for you, by the way, uh, by listeners who are glued mm-hmm. to this. Let me. Ask you. You've brilliantly explained the technology. We've done that. You've done this on this program before. What is is the is the ultimate um, reason for the technology? Is it to keep people unhealthy? Is it to keep them corralled, kind of imprisoned, yes. bogged down? Is it to keep them? Uh, is it to keep them sick and dependent on the state? Is it to kill them? Is it all of the above? all of the above. And I think you've hit it, hit the nail on the head over there, Richie, because, you know, um, we have been, if you look back to the many different insidious ways in which we have all been collectively targeted, particularly in the cities for decades, that is exactly the end result. We've all been kept in a state of sickness. And, you know, I think there are eugenicist intentions, names behind all of this as well, because as you know, the vaccines sicken people, and I'm reading more about this, by the way, historically over time, as the vaccines have been rolled out, the chronic disease burden on generations has increased. And it's now absolutely unconscionable what has happened. Our children are getting cancer. And, um, you know, getting leukemia, getting brain tumors at a tender age. Why? Not to mention autism and ADHD and all that other stuff. Um, why? And it is very linked to the vaccines. So people who tell you that vaccines are safe and that there are modern and civilized medical treatment to stop infectious disease have no idea what they're talking about. You kind of need to go back and do your reading and research. I have started on this and I'm going to be speaking more about this in um, you know future video reports that I put out on my channel. But um, 
that's one aspect. So vaccines have created disease burden. Similarly, I think we've been hit with uh, with microwaves for a very long time, and it's been creating um, physical disease burden, but it's also creating cognitive disease burden, you know, cognitive burden. And I think that's what Celeste Solom is whistleblowing about right now. She's talking about how they are going to amp up the use of their weaponry on people's brains to bring in a new wave of neurodamage, neurodegradation. You know, if you think about it, that's what Humans 2.0 and transhumanism is all about. We've all heard about these scientists finding graphene oxide in the vaccines, right? And we know now that the vaccines are causing great harm. People are killing over and dying with these vaccines. People are becoming magnetic, thanks to this paramagnetic graphene oxide put into the vaccines, etc. Well, that coupled with 5G, I don't know if you've, you've probably heard that a lot of people who've gotten vaccinated are actually able to produce a Bluetooth signal or Wi-Fi MAC address on their cell phones and stuff. So they're being linked up, you know, through nanotech. So if you're linked up, then you are more susceptible to be attacked from a distance because you're suddenly so electroconductive that you can indeed your health, your brain. And this is this is the most insidious aspect that graphene oxide goes into the neurons and synapses. Your brain is susceptible to damage from the outside with these very high frequencies that can be beamed at you in a very targeted fashion. So yes, all of the above. This is very, very sinister stuff. And it's very hard to take in. Honestly, when Celeste was on my show, I was sitting there thinking, could they possibly be planning to do this? Because that's neuro, what is the word? It's not just neuro damage, neuro degradation, it's neuro destruction in one blow, you know? And of course, you're asking a very good question there. It's a lot to take in. And we, I think you and I have have accepted this on previous programmes. We've talked about it. Mm -hmm. The fact is, the great majority of people, if they heard our conversation today, they might be struck by how rational and how reasonable you sound and how uh, well-spoken you are. But they're still conditioned to thinking, this is nuts nobody's doing this. Oh, yeah. It's James, oh, it's James Bond yeah. villain stuff, isn't it? It couldn't possibly be happening. I, I believe it is happening. I've seen enough evidence over the years. You know, and I was very stubborn, um, Ramona. Very, very, mm-hmm. very kind of, you know, I was always pragmatic. If you can if you can prove it, if you can see it, if you can taste it, yes. it must be true if you can. And that's where I am too. I'm very yeah. much based on the signs. I mean, show me the signs, show me the proof is where yeah. I am. I won't publish anything and I won't, um, you know, report on anything unless I have uh, evidence from actual scientific and statistical sources to show that this indeed, I I do publish speculation, but I point it out as speculation, Um, but I won't publish speculation even unless there is a science um, behind it, unless there are facts behind it to support the speculation. Ramola, there's uh, thousands of questions. That's not an exaggeration, by the way. It's incredible. So I'm going to read a few of them out. A couple of comments then. Uh, Questions. Go to everydayconcerned.net. Find Ramola on YouTube, find her online, find her on BitChute, uh, find her on, you, you, you forget YouTube and the banning on there. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> but, but all the information, everydayconcerned.net. 
Here's a few quick comments. I'm mindful of time. Look how quickly the time is going. Uh, Jenny says, Richie, I was telling a friend the other day that when I walk around the village after dark now, I feel quite strange and get short of breath, which I don't experience during other times of day. I wonder if it has anything to do with the streetlights. Thanks, Jenny. D Smith says, D says, Richie, the street next to me and quite a few around Southport, they have antenna on them. They were put on Overnight during the first lockdown, says D. I've heard quite a bit of that. Uh, Witchy says, hi, Witchy. Richie uh, and Ramola, I have been suffering with very bad headaches and nosebleeds recently, generally feeling unwell. Our skies are full of chemtrails. And because the symptoms I describe are alien to me, I have wondered if it is something to do with our environment. I can't confirm it, uh, that it is deliberate, but I have never suffered like this before. I knew we'd get these uh, and I sympathise. And these people, these are genuine problems. The, the media will gaslight you and tell you it's all in your head. Nonsense. It isn't all in your head. Uh, because all of these stories are coming in from all over the UK and other parts of the world. Uh, it, this is not mass psychosis, international psychosis. This is real stuff. It's happening. William says street lamps and bus shelters will help boost 5G uh, in a rollout in a £4 million trial. And he sent me a link to the government website here. Yes, they will use street lamps and they will use bus shelters to amplify these sing- signals and to get this uh, this 5G uh, uh, wavelength to get the signal everywhere. Uh, you don't need a big antenna, says Diane, as the frequency goes up, antenna length gets even shorter, she says. That's really interesting as well. Gareth mm-hmm. says, ask um, uh, uh, Ramola about terrain theory and germ theory. We can get into that. I've gotten into it with, with, with many guests over the years. I'm open-minded. I don't know why my listeners keep challenging me about this. I've got these listeners, Ramola, and I love them. Mm-hmm. Um, but they, they this don't. This is great information. It's great. They, 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 don't, they don't like me unless I absolutely agree with everything they think. And of course, I don't. <laughs> I don't agree with everyone uh, about anything or anything w- with everyone. Some of them believe that COVID never, ever existed. And, and they might be right. I don't know. I've, I've worked mm-hmm. on the basis that maybe it does, but I, but I, but I could be wrong. And they, they talk germ theory and terrain theory to me. Look, I know you've researched this extensively. I'm very much in that space. Um, yeah, I know Richard that. Yeah. Definitely. I am researching that and I'm speaking further to scientists and doctors about it. And, you know, yeah, at this point in time, I've certainly made up my mind. I'm reading more, but I definitely have made up my mind. I think germ theory is um, a wrong fork in the road that science took at a certain point. And, um, you know, it's also a very political fork in the road. People who took that fork uh, knew what they were doing. They knew that there was no proof for germs emanating from the outside causing infectious disease, but they took that fork in the road anyway. And if you look historically at the history of science, which I'm beginning to read, um, which, by the way, Dr. Stefan Lanka, he's one of the people who's written a great deal about it, um, has pointed to, because he's pointed to various papers that I'm looking up now, um, you find out when you look into that history that all across the last, uh, from the 19th century onward, scientists who were looking at infectious diseases across the world, because, you know, we're talking during the times of the British Empire at that time. Um, They were looking at cholera in India under the British Empire. They were looking at uh, various diseases, sleeping sickness, etc., in British Guyana and in Jamaica. And um, there were two factions. One faction was the faction we've got populating um, the CDC currently saying everything comes from a germ. You, it's finite. It's external. 
and you can create a vaccine for it, which I think is a political maneuver ultimately. And then you have the anti-contagionists, and that's a word that we need to know and need to research. So these anti-contagionists were looking in a more holistic way at what was going on, and they came to the conclusion that all of these diseases were not infectious diseases that were transmitted from person to person, but were diseases that arose because of certain circumstances in a particular area, yeah. whether it was bad sanitation, you know, bad hygiene, open drainage, all of those things. I'm very and sympathetic to this now. My, a thousand apologies for interjecting here. I am going to get out of your way again. I'm absolutely no. sympathetic to the idea that the environment is playing far more of a part than we've been taught in our schools and maybe playing the majority part in making yes, people unwell. Yes. I'm absolutely open to I don't know why my listeners think I'm not. It's because I interviewed Andy Kaufman and I do the devil's advocate thing. I argued with him because that's what I like to do. Mm-hmm. I, I think I argued with you mm-hmm. the first time we spoke. Um, but I'm, <laughs> I'm wide open to, to the idea. I'm wondering, are you open to the idea that both might be in play sometimes? that it might be possible for me to pass something on to you. I say might because I don't know. Well, I think our environment has been massively manipulated and maneuvered, and currently it is. It's being manipulated in order to create conditions of disease, and I think that's why people who just uh, wrote into you or or spoke to you, uh, Richie, saying that they are walking around their neighborhoods and they're suddenly getting migraines and they're looking at the antennas, etc., and wondering if that has something to do with it. Well, I think it might very well. And I'm talking, by the way, not about the LED lights, which I don't know enough about, but about the actual antennas, you know, the actual antennas that are mounted everywhere and that are connected right now on a grid. And I think that those antennas can be manipulated, obviously, right? They're all connected on a grid and somebody ha- is in charge of those grids and somebody has uh, supercomputing networks that's in charge of those grids. And they're moving increasingly to AI at this point, both uh, central AI and edge AI, which is AI at the level of the object. And um, so there is infinite possibility for those um, things to be manipulated. Now, this is the point at which people say, oh, this is a huge conspiracy theory because you're imagining, you're paranoid, you're yeah, imagining yeah. that somebody's doing bad things against you, yeah. right? But on the other hand, we have to look at the actual facts. We have to look at are people sickening and dying in a particular space? You know, are people reporting a lot of migraines? Are people falling dead three days after the vaccine? And then you draw your conclusions, right? You have to look at the data. Of course. So um, I do... Th- Yeah, so I think that there is infinite possibility for these antennas that have now been placed everywhere for them to be used against people. As to whether they are indeed being used in those ways, again, you know, well, you you can't make that conclusion until you get more data, until you get more information. But there's one thing I wanted to mention, and that was people who said that they were short of breath walking about, etc. Yes, who wouldn't well, ordinarily be out of breath. People who are pretty fit and healthy and are finding themselves all of a sudden being, uh, you know, fatigued quicker than they would expect to be, tired quicker. Yeah, yeah. And I can tell you that that can be related directly to the bio effects that have been recorded in documents that many scientists have spoken out about today related to the use of microwave frequencies or millimeter wave frequencies. I've spoken recently to two doctors. One is Dr. Robert Young and Dr. Beverly Rubick. 
and they both have studied the subject quite a bit. And uh, especially Dr. Be Beverly Rubick has published a paper talking about how the bioeffects that are now being attributed to COVID, and you know, some people have told you they don't believe COVID exists. Yeah. But hey, maybe it's just uh, what Dr. Young says is it's a set of disease symptoms that he thinks comes from 5G, comes from the use of frequencies against people. And that's sort of what Dr. Rubik is also saying, because she's been looking at the documentation and she's drawn up a chart actually comparing the symptoms of coronavirus slash COVID with the symptoms that 5G and, and 4G also, she says. It's not just 5G, it's 4G. She had a really interesting interview with me. I recommend people go check it out because she talked about both 4G and 5G, not just 5G. She's very good. And she said She's the, very good. Um, bio yeah. yeah. Where can She's people... Great. Where, where, I loved having her on. And, and people can, can, can get, go to the website to get all the information about where to watch that interview. That's, yeah. I, I, I spoke with Beverly yeah. some some time ago, a really interesting lady. Listen, I know because you're a pro, you'll forgive my little interjections. I'm just looking at the time uh, today. Next time mm -hmm. you come on, we'll make more time uh, than an hour. We'll do a proper, we'll do a proper 90 minutes or two hours. But um, listen, I, I'm with you on this, with on the possibility. That's what I should say. I'm, I'm with you on the possibility yeah. because I remember um, being gravely ill in January 2020, and my doctor being completely perplexed as to what was going on. Um, I was struggling mm -hmm. to breathe. I was struggling to breathe, and it was, it was an altitude sickness type thing, which, which, yeah. which was blamed on COVID later on. So I hear you. You know, I'm prepared to, I, to, to, to listen to this. Yeah, and to, can, I just inter can I just interject on that particular point? Because that's where I was going with Dr. Yeah. Young and Dr. Dr. Rubik. One of the things they point to, and by the way, every doctor who's looked at this, you know, one of the main bioeffects of frequency um, attack on our bodies is that the blood coagulates. And when the blood coagulates, the red blood cells kind of low and stick together and they don't do the normal job of, you know, moving in and out and going yeah. to the lungs and bringing oxygen to the lungs, etc. And that's why you have that, you know, out of breath effect. And that's what I just wanted to mention that that's what these doctors have told us. You don't miss you don't miss anything. And uh, to be fair to you, you don't miss anything. I'm not patronizing you, you don't miss a thing. And we <laughs> remember we remember, don't we, the New York City emergency room doctor who said that the ventilators oh, yes, are killing right. people. Yeah. He said yeah. the ventilators Positive. are killing people. Yeah. He said because yeah. they don't really have what what you know the traditional lung illness so giving them the 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 intubation is killing them it, they don't need that i it was dreadful for me That's right. i put a video on facebook yes. it's still there and I, I can't watch it now i looked so bad and my doctor was like you're not bringing up any mucus you've got no mucus on your chest or on your lungs i'm i'm an, a non smoke i never smoked ramola but i've had these respiratory problems over the years bronchitis and stuff and he said to me, I don't know what's going on. I can see you're not getting any oxygen, but there is no obstruction there. There doesn't seem to be a traditional well, infection. See, yeah, at the time. I'm sorry to hear that your doctor couldn't figure it out. I have to tell you, do check out Dr. Robert Young's books. I think he has the answers, as I think a lot of you know, naturopaths and uh, naturalist um, uh, practitioners have, naturopathic practitioners, I should say. Um, his whole understanding is that the pH of the body the pH of the interstitial fluids and the pH of the blood are what define our health. And his recommendations in this particular case, if you're out of breath, if your blood is coagulating, you need to, you know, 
address that first. So you need to get your blood to stop coagulating, right? And to clean it out. So there's lots of different ways you can do that, lots of naturopathic ways. And I think he's mentioned baking soda. I'm not recommending this in any way. Right. I'm suggesting please check out his work. But he talks about baking soda as being a way of uh, immediately addressing the problem. That sounds really interesting. I've interviewed oncologists over the years. One who was struck off, a guy called Tullio Simoncini, who was an old pal, and he was a renowned oncologist. And he treated people with uh, stomach cancer. He gave them, he gave them um, bicarbonate of soda, baking soda, as you That's said. That's the same thing. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and Tullio was struck off for doing this. And uh, he said to me, oh. he said, Candida albicans. He said, some cancers are basically fungal. And if you, if you use the baking soda, yes. particularly in the stomach. And he's, he's, not the only, he's not the only one who says that. I think no. Dr. Young says that. Yeah. Uh, so many other doctors, Dr. Andreas Moritz, I think, who's no more, but he used to say that. Um, lots of, uh, I think the answers are right there in the world of homeopaths, naturopaths, um, Ayurvedic practitioners, Chinese medicine practitioners. These guys know what real disease is and how it's caused and why it's caused in the body. And they know what true health is and how we can become healthy again. It's very sad, but the Western doctors in these hospitals don't seem to have the answers. No, that's right. I mean, we've you and I have been down many of the same roads. I've spoken to so many naturopaths and holistic healers and you know, uh, complementary medicine mm-hmm. experts over the years and, and they, they convinced me and I'm not an easy person to convince that conventional medicine is uh, basically treating people's symptoms and keeping them going, getting them out of bed and going to work. But they're not dealing with the underlying causes of illnesses and in natural medicine, they are. And I, I totally accept that That's and I right. totally believe it. We've got about four and a half minutes left with uh, Ramola D today. We've covered a lot in, in a short time. I know we could go on for another hour and with your permission, we will next time you come back on the programme sooner than you were on last mm-hmm. time. We'll, we'll do it soon. Um, I, I, I said to Michael Rivero in the previous hour, critical mass to me is something that keeps coming into my mind. Will we... I believe what you said to me about these, you know, about about this weaponry being used in our, our streets, in our alleyways, in our school. I, I absolutely believe it. Is there time enough? Do you think? Is there time to not? To, I hate to say convince people because it sounds so dogmatic, but is there time for people mm-hmm. to realise this themselves in order for us to be able to stop it? Is there time? Time is precious. I think that. Time is precious. You know, I am optimistic. However, I do think there is time, but there is time only to the extent that we inform people and people take it on board. And this is why I think, Richie, I think as people working in media, you and I have a bit of a responsibility to sort of move this conversation and this information out of the realm of so-called, you know, quote unquote, conspiracy theory and into the realm of absolute fact and present it as fact. Do you know what I mean? Because I'll tell you everything that I have told you about what I know that they have set up in terms of a smart grid comes also from the documents and comes also from what they have hinted at in some of the documents. A lot of this is classified. The weaponology that they are using is classified. And as I said, you know, look at what the police are saying now. We're not going to tell you what weapons we are using. Yeah, that's the police in Canberra. The police in Massachusetts said the same thing to me when I put in a FOIA request several years ago. But the fact of the matter is they have these weapons. So there has to be a way 
to get this information. You know, I mean, it's not just for your request. It has to be, you have to talk to your local MPs, your representatives, your city councillors. You have to make demands and everybody's got to be doing this. Everyone's got to find out. Everyone's got to be on this particular breadcrumb trail. We've got to ask these people, what kinds of surveillance devices do you have in place? What are you using against people? We are the people. We are the public. We have a right to know. You know, so we need to push that. That's one thing that we need to push. And then another thing is the ethics, as you said. I think we started this conversation talking about the ethics. Yeah. Nobody is really looking at the ethics of neuroweapons, the ethics of nanoweapons, the ethics of millimeter wave weapons, but they've got these weapons. NATO has been running exercises using these weapons, you know, and the U.S. Uh, military has been running weapons testing for many, many years and continue to do so. Where are the ethics of using these weapons? These are biohacking weapons. These are neurohacking weapons. Where are the ethics? So people need to be informed and people need to stand up and start speaking out in a very loud voice because we have to question these governments. They cannot get away with what they are doing currently. And, you know, this brings us back to the beginning of our conversation. We are at a moment of clash of egos. You've got them trying to push through further tyranny to try to shut us up. And you've got us going out on the streets and saying, no, we're not going to be shut up. We are going to speak out. So this is the moment where we have to hold the line, literally. You know, we have to hold the line and we have to push through our advantage. Our advantage is our voice. Our voice is our power. We have to learn that it is our power and we have to use it. I can't imagine you. That's as my being, it's beautiful that I can't imagine you being angry, though, somehow. I'm sure you get angry. No. <laughs> it's just been mentioned. It's, it's, just, it's just been mentioned on my website. We, we, we absolutely had hundreds of comments during the uh, last 45 minutes. It's been mentioned a few times about yeah. what a kind and soft and easy listening voice Ramola has. We can't imagine you getting mad and <laughs> shouting. But you don't have to shout to use your voice. I also like what you said about asking, uh, you know, demanding from local authorities. You are quite right. Get them on the record. Get them on the yes. record. It's, it's, it's a brilliant thing. Just before we, um, we, we do go, I've mentioned the website, of course, everydayconcerned.net. Let our listeners know where they can find you. I know many, many of my listeners will know who you are, but for those who don't, where can they find you? Where can they see your presentations? Um, well, my video channels are called Romola D Reports, and, you know, I'm on BitChute, I'm on Rumble, I'm on Brighton and I'm on Odyssey and Library right now for the most part. So I'm also on Live 528, but I kind of need to build up my presence over there a bit. And I'm trying to go live. I'm still trying to figure out how to go live, Richie. I need to do a live stream sometime. I have to figure out the right uh, well, you have platform after, you know, YouTube's kicked me off. Well, you have thousands of so, um, contacts and amongst them are people who are pretty savvy with doing that. I, I've got an engineer, you see, who sorts everything out mm -hmm. this end for radio I mean, it's a pro I'm in a proper like proper radio studio you, that you'd see anywhere NBC BBC and I have an engineer who does all of that because I am useless you know enough people that somebody will get you rigged up with a, with a stable live stream and uh, as soon as you're, you're up and running I'll be watching it excellent work with Celeste um, <laughs> so, so congratulations I, on I that I hope somebody Thank you. Thank you, Richie. And I hope somebody listening steps forward to to offer because I don't have a producer. And 
Um, but you know, I I don't necessarily need a producer so much. No, you I need an need engineer to figure out how that's what that's what or I, an engineer. Yes, I don't have a producer either. <laughs> I produce this program by me. I don't have anybody working with me. But ah, I, okay, okay. Nobody, but I have an engineer who does the technical side of things when it needs to be tinkered with and tampered with, which isn't very often. But um, because I'm pretty mm-hmm. useless at, at that side of things, we're we're bang out of time today, as usual. Um, I, I mean it when I say thanks for your time. It's precious, and uh, it's always educational when you're on. You're welcome, Richie. I really enjoyed it. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, this Ramona. Is a, this is an opportunity to talk to these subjects. Absolutely, mm-hmm. and, ne- and my word. Next time we do it, which will be soon, with your permission, we'll do a longer segment. And we'll, we'll get, we'll fit more. Sure, in. great. <laughs> Thanks. Definitely. Enjoy the rest of the day in Massachusetts. Uh, the terrific Ramola D there. Look for Ramola D reports online on BitChute. Go to everydayconcerned.net. Check her out there as well. It's uh, four minutes to the top of the hour. That's about it for Wednesday's programme. Big shout out to Michael Rivero, whatreallyhappened.com. Lovely to catch up with Michael again. Thanks to Ramola again. Thanks to you for all your messages today. I read a few out. Uh, to those I didn't read out, it wasn't anything personal. Forgive me for that. Back with you tomorrow at five o'clock UK time for Thursday's programme. I uh, will be bringing you a very interesting conversation. If you listened to a phone-in programme a week or so ago, Norman from Wigan phoned in to talk about his sister Jean, who passed away in late 2020 in a hospital in Thameside. And this is to do now with how, with the fears and the concerns that people who went to hospital after this COVID scam began, particularly elderly people, people whose lives were not in danger, that maybe a lot of people were eased out, that they were euthanized. It's a horrifying thought. Talk about the iconic.com Jackie Devoy production, uh, A Good Death, question mark, the film. Well, I got into that with Norman on Tuesday, recorded a chat with him. I'll be bringing you that tomorrow. And uh, plenty of news analysis as well. That's tomorrow, Thursday. Until then, you take care of yourselves and one another. It's bye from me. Everything is wonderful.